Excuse me, son. Yeah. What have you got there? Got, got some birds, some wild birds. Really? Yeah. Where'd you get them? Got them in the field over there. There's a field with wild birds. Huh. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind my asking, what are you going to do with them? I want to play games with them. Games? Yeah, I can play games with wild birds, yeah. What kind of games? Um, sometimes I like to poke a stick in there, you know, and they'll be like going, gah, 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 like that, you know? And then sometimes I like to rattle up the cage, and they think it's an earthquake, and they love that. What happens to them after you're done playing games with them? Mm, usually I feed them my cat. Yeah, my cat likes wild birds. I'll tell you what. I am fond of wild birds. You are? Yeah. Let me buy them from you. You want to buy my wild birds? Yeah. Well, they're no good for nothing. They can't do no tricks or nothing. And when you open this gate, they're just going to fly away. How much? You're serious? I'm very serious. Five dollars. All right. Ten dollars. Okay. Twenty dollars. They're wild birds. They're exotic birds. You found them in a field. An exotic field. All right. That's all I got. Freedom. Freedom for the captive. The image is powerful. Who hasn't felt sometimes like a caged bird at times, stuck, caged, in bad circumstances, illness, habits, feeling vulnerable, wanting out so that no one can poke sticks at you. Uh, as we begin the new year, we often reminisce about promises we made a year ago. I don't know about you, but that five pounds I thought I'd lost, I think instead I gained. Um, and I'm sure if you, each of you can fill in the blank. You probably have your own, just like me. But I have good news today. For many of us, that promise that didn't happen today, we have a message of hope and of liberty as Jesus begins his ministry. Now, last week we celebrated the birth of Christ. Um, we, we celebrated the joy that that brought. We talked about the kings and how the kings came. The shepherds came. The kings came. The Bible doesn't talk too much about that time in between, about Jesus' boyhood. It does talk a little bit about his time in the temple and how he be, was already knowledgeable as a young boy. We know that the family had to go to Egypt and come back. We know that he went to the temple. We know he was taken to the temple to be circumcised when he was eight days old. Um, but the next thing we hear about is John the Baptist when we stay in the book of Luke. And as we listen to the stories about John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus to begin his ministry, and then the Jordan and the baptism of Jesus, and the Spirit of God descends on Jesus and like a dove dwells with him like a dove. He then goes into the desert for 40 days, and he's tested. And he comes out of that testing perfect, unlike the first testing in the garden. But Jesus begins his ministry by speaking throughout the, the areas in the towns of Galilee. And then he finally comes into his home church, his home synagogue, and he begins to preach for the first time in Nazareth. I thought it was kind of fitting. It was my, my first time to preach for you. I might as well preach about Jesus' first time preaching in his home church. <laughs> um, today we're going to be looking at Luke 4, 16 to 21. So if you have your word with you, you can go ahead and open it up to that. I'll be reading from the New American Standard, which is just a little bit different than Common English Bible. 
but I think you'll be able to follow it very well. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The word of the Lord for the people of God. So let's break this down just a little bit, okay? So he enters his home synagogue, and in the synagogue, the lessons are structured. There's two readings. There's one from the law, and then there's also a reading from the prophets. And the first reading would be done by, like, the home preacher, the home rabbi. The second reading would be done by either a lay person that's leading in the church or another preacher that was visiting, an itinerant preacher, someone maybe like me. Um, And that would be, the second reading would be from the prophets. Jesus stands up and reads from the prophets. Now the scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. Now there are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, and he starts to open the book. Now when you and I think about opening books, we think about this, we open it up, We find Isaiah 61, wherever we're going to speak from. In this case, he speaks from Isaiah 61, and it's pretty easy. Well, in those days, they had scrolls. So he opens up the scroll, and he starts to unroll it. And the verb that's used in this passage is that he starts to unroll it, and he unrolls it, and he unrolls it, and he unrolls it, and he continues to unroll it. 66 chapters, he goes to chapter 61. He begins to read from Isaiah 61, which is the passage on the advent of the Messiah. Oops. This is the prophecy that, this is about what the servant of the Lord is going to do. Now, out of all the things, how many of you have read other things from Isaiah? There's a lot of stuff in Isaiah. He could have read from a lot of things, but he goes to the passage that talks about the advent of the Messiah. Don't miss this now. Luke places this story right at the beginning of Christ's ministry because in this story you learn who he pronounces he is, what he's going to preach about, what is his purpose, and he proclaims liberty right then and there. And we're going to walk through that together. First, he pronounces who he is. He's a mixture of kingship and divinity. He says, he has sent me. Now, he's quoting Isaiah, but he says, he has sent me to proclaim good news. He doesn't say, Isaiah said, he has sent me. He takes it first person. He was the one on the mission to proclaim the good news. He also said, he has been anointed to preach that good news. 
The Spirit descended upon his baptism in 11, Isaiah 11:2. We hear the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. This servant of the Lord was going to retain the Spirit up until that point in time. The Spirit would be given to particular people for particular things, but it didn't rest on that person. It was temporary. So he is anointed. He's also anointed. Remember the frankincense and the myrrh, the gifts of the king? They were the gifts for anointing. Kings were the ones that were anointed. Samuel was anointed. Samuel anointed Saul. Samuel anointed David. Only kings were anointed. So he has been anointed to preach the good news. This was a really bold claim, if you think about it. Here is this young preacher, local guy. They'd watched him grow up. And now he was up there and he was saying these things. Would it have been hard to believe that? Do you think they really understood what he was claiming? He then goes on with the passage, and although they likely missed it, I did it first. Um, he said, I've been anointed to preach the good news, the gospel. I've been anointed to preach the good news. His message showed that he was going to bring this good news to the people. He was also telling them what he was there for, his purpose. He was going to be a healer. He said, verse 18, he will give sight to the blind. Now, there's two ways he does, does that, right? He actually did physically heal those that were blind or deaf. But he also opened up our eyes to be able to see the true purpose of what God intended for us. He was a healer of both the physical body and of the heart. The servant of the Lord, as described in Isaiah 61, said he would bind up the brokenhearted. That bind up is like, kind of like if a bone's been broken and you need to set the bone, that verb is the same. It's like setting the bone of the brokenhearted. So he would be the one to be the men mender of our broken hearts. The majority of what he communicates, besides who he is and what he's going to be, is really a message of liberty. And this is what I really want to focus on today. He said, he has sent me to proclaim release for the captive, to set free the oppressed. And in verse 19, he says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What is the year of the Lord's favor? In Leviticus 25, there was a, a, a set of teaching by God to man that every 50 years, between 49 and 50 years on our calendar, uh, everything that had been sold, bartered, or transact transacted, including human life, slavery, was to be returned back in the 49th or 50th year. So if I sold my property to Will, Will, on year 49, would have to be willing to let me go back to my land. If I was a slave for Katie, Katie would have to set me free. This was called the year of the Lord's favor, or jubilee. And what 
he was announcing here was apostole, set at liberty, set free. Everyone with this saying would be, I have come to set you free. To put things back the way they were supposed to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I would sometimes love a reset button. You know, there are times in your lives when you look and you say, boy, I really wish I could have done that different. And it would be really great to do that. But Christ gives us that chance. Because he came with his message of liberty, we have a reset button. So when you talk about jubilee and you think gladness, I mean, when you think of jubilee, you think about gladness, right? Here we are, happy new year. We have a chance and an opportunity to see the message of Christ in a new way. It's a message of hope and relief. They were no longer slaves. He was telling them, you no longer have to be slaves. The people of Israel had been like a bird in a cage. So first, they're in Egypt in slavery. They come out with Moses. Then they have some good kings and some bad kings. And they end up in Babylon as slaves again. And never again would they lead in their own land. They would end up always being someone else's vassal or servant. Now, Jesus is preaching and Rome's in control. When Sennacherib took them and, and came against the city of Jerusalem, he even wrote on this big stone that he made called the obelisk, he wrote, I shut up Hezekiah like a bird in a cage. That's a really good description of what being captive can be like, like being like a bird in a cage. But he came and he was saying, you're no longer going to be captive. Now, for them, what do you think they were looking for? They were looking for that deliverer, right? That person that was going to come and take Rome out, bring Israel back into power, rule, run with military might. But what was he saying? He said, I'm going to be the one to bind up the broken heart. I don't think he mentioned swords and military might and warriors. What he ultimately offered was eternal freedom, not military freedom. Now, I don't know about you. I've been sitting in the pews listening to him. I would have missed it entirely. I would have still thought, here's my king of kings. He says he's going to release us all, make us not slaves. I would have been sitting there thinking that this was going to be the guy. He was going to turn over Rome. And I probably still do that today. I look for God to come in with a mighty swoop, take care of everything, instead of looking at what he's doing to me on the inside. I focus so much on the temporal, I forget the eternal aspects of what God is doing for me. So as you think about 2012 and you think about what you want God to do for you, what you want God to do in you and with you, I want you to keep that in mind. Sometimes I am so caged by the things that push me from the outside, all the while there stands God at the door knocking, saying, let me in. And if you let me in, I'll let you out. How about you? 
Do you sometimes feel that weight that you carry around that if you gave it to him, he could lift it off? Today begins a new year. You do not have to live it caged. This is a message of hope and relief. He relieves us from the things that we have found ourselves being bondage to. His blood released us from having to stay caged. If you have not yet, have you, have you considered letting him into your heart and letting yourself out of the cage? They missed it. They missed that message. Instead, they were looking for what he didn't say. So Isaiah 61 also says one more thing. It says, and the day of vengeance of our God. But Jesus didn't say that. He stopped right before and the day of vengeance for our God. While they were looking for the servant of the Lord who would take them out of the rule of Rome, restore the kingdom of Israel, restore Jerusalem to its former state, he was telling them, that is not my present purpose. He was telling them, I am here just to save. That would be for another time, another place. I am not here to judge. Most of you are probably pretty familiar with John 3.16. I bet you can even say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do you know the next verse? For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Just like them, sometimes we miss it. Jesus' purpose for now was just to save. Judgment would be for another time. Jesus closed the book. He literally rolled back up that big scroll. He handed it to the attendant, and he sat down. And that's the moment when the teacher begins to teach. And he looked at everyone and he said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He had come to save. He had come to set free. Because God's word to Isaiah was fulfilled in Christ, I can have the comfort knowing that eventually he will have that day of vengeance, that he will come and he will finally judge. But for right now, when I don't see the world reflecting what I think God should be doing, and I question God about why things are the way they are, I just have to know that's for another time and for another purpose. And for right now, that I am still in the year of the Lord's favor. And that stands fulfilled. It doesn't, it isn't fulfilled and stopped. It stands fulfilled. In 2012, may you be reminded daily you are no longer in a cage. You have been set free. And your God will surely right what is wrong. you looking at the cage. Yeah. What do you got in there? You know what's in there?
mankind. Found them in the garden. Funny thing is, they put themselves in that cage. I had nothing to do with it. So what's your plans with them? I'm going to play games with them. Games? What kind of games? All kinds of games. I'm going to put games into their life that they think is going to bring them so much pleasure. Then I'm going to turn the world upside down. I'm going to make right seem wrong and wrong seem right. And then? They'll be damned for all eternity. My father and I, we're very fond of mankind. I know. We want them to have access to us. So I'm going to pay for their freedom. You want these humans? Yeah. You know they promised you everything before. They're going to turn their backs on you. Some will, and some won't. You're serious. Oh, I'm very serious. It'll cost you your tears. I know. Your blood. Yeah. It'll cost you your life. I know. You're willing to give your life. I'm willing to give what it takes.